Welcome to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio and the Road Less Traveled Internet Ministry. I'm Derek. This is Dawn. Jimbo's in the producer's booth. It is Friday, March 27th. And it's going to be a nice day out today. Beautiful. I think it I, I'm glad. You know, I had my grandson this whole last week, and we come down, and it was hot, and then it got cold, and he was a little disappointed. He couldn't get, play in the water, and he couldn't play outside as much as he wanted. It rained that one day, and, yes. got, and then it got cold. I mean, it was cold. He yeah. put on his coat. Oh, he didn't even bring a heavy, heavy coat, uh-huh. and so he had to come back in a couple times and warm up. It was. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was a little Well, we were all frost-covered, too, yesterday morning. We were white. With frost. Yes. Woke up the, what was that, yesterday morning? Yeah, yesterday morning. Jacob's car was all frosted up. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's so I'm glad it's going to warm up. I don't like it cold, but I don't like it hot either. So Yeah. Interesting. So uh, let me turn this up a little bit here. There we go. <clears throat> so it is March 27th. And it's going to be nice here, and we just got off of spring break. I know Los mm-hmm. Animas is just completing their spring break. Mm-hmm. And then it will be April, and we have, what is that now? We've got four, nine days until Easter. That's exciting. I'm ready for sunrise service. Yes, that's <laughs> going to be fun. <laughs> you are uh, uh, listening to Becoming Christ. Like, hey, if you want to get a hold of us. You can do that in a number of ways. You can check us out at bemorechristlike.com. You can also go to our mobile, which is on m.bemorechristlike.com. You can follow us on the ever-busy Facebook uh, at Becoming Christlike. You can also tweet us. Yes. That's, that's, the, that's the massive thing yes. right there. It's the big Twitter the Twitter is always moving, always busy. Yes. Dawn takes care of that, and that is at uh, Christlike Today. And, mm-hmm. and as we look at that following, we have 28,000, 28.3,000 followers. Now, this is the same shot you had up I last know. time. It's I'm going to harass you. you got to put I'm a new up, one on. I'm not updating it every time. So how many do we have now, do you think? Uh, 29. I think. So you're complaining over 700 people. No, but the sayings are the same. And if you read well, it, you read it two weeks in a row. I, did, I didn't read it. I didn't read it Not at all. Not this time, but... May you be filled before. with the spirit of peace. <laughs> See, I read it. <laughs> you read the bottom one, not the top one. You cheated. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, there's lots of different ways to get a hold of us. You can, you can text us. You can email us. You can... I mean, just... Boom, it's all over the place. Uh, so check us out, Becoming Christlike. Uh, so I'm trying to follow. I, I don't know what Pat's. Pat Sheen is in the chat room today. Uh, what's Pat? 29.4. Is that the temperature? What is, what, what is that, Pat? Oh, 29.4. Uh, that's the Twitter followers. Thank you, Jimbo. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Okay, are you happy now we updated? Okay. Okay. 29.4. I don't care about the followers as much as... <laughs> I somehow can't believe that because you made such a fuss about... No, about the same scenes <laughs> being up there if you read it a third week in a row. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm leaving that one on there forever in memoriam. That's, okay, well, you've got to update some of the good sayings that go on there. They're all good saying. That That's the point. <laughs> we have been... Uh, doing a study all the way through uh, Lent called Lord, a book from James McDonald called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, and and it's a it's a good one. But and every week I, I say this that uh, you know it's it's a every chapter is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time with this one this week though. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna like me on this one this week. He's not going to like me. Really? I want to go back it's, to boundaries. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great, great chapter, and I, I use a lot of things, but I'm just, I, I would not be surprised if this show got sideways and just went right off the rails. Really? I Well, you know what? I decided that this is my hardest one, but yeah. I'm critical. But my biggest problem is, is I don't think I'm mature enough to do what he wants me to do. Well, I don't think I... 
have right. enough love given to me to spill out, and I can't get out of the way of God. So I got to go back to boundaries on this one. <laughs> That's right. And since we probably uh, probably are going to get sideways on this, and 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 who knows if we'll finish the chapter, let's go ahead and open our time up uh, with prayer. Gracious Father, once again we come before you this day. Uh, we seek to change our critical attitude into an attitude of love. Um, Father God, we just pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, that your word would flow through this time that we have together so that you might be glorified. We pray, Father God, that you might guide us in this time of Lent, this time of self-inspection, that indeed uh, we might turn our lives uh, to what you want us to do, to think, to feel, to behave. Father God, we just give this time to you, and we give you all the glory in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so James McDonald, Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. Uh, and for those of you who have been listening, you know how it works. For those of you who have not listened, this is how it works. He gives us an attitude. He follows us, or, or kind of follows the Hebrews through uh, the wilderness. This is, it's always about the Israelites. Um, but he, he talks about the attitudes that they have. And and then he, he, he introduces us to one attitude that we need to change and then gives us the next chapter, what we need to change it into. Replace what, it with. What do we need to replace it to? What does it mm -hmm. need to transform into? Last week we needed to to change our critical attitude. Right. I didn't want to, but I did. I and I was critical. Of and it. how are you doing with that critical? <laughs> I was critical. Attitude? I was critical. I was critical of the chapter. <laughs> uh, well, and, I was, I kind of agree with that part. I want to go back to boundaries. It gives me a little more leeway. Chapter six needs says we need to change. We need to replace that critical attitude with an attitude of love. Yes. And. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 uh, is what he talks about. But he always starts it with, say it in a sentence, and he says this. The only attitude big enough to replace a critical attitude is an attitude of love. Now, I've got to be honest with you. This attitude of love, I like the way that he wrote it. But it, do you ever do this? I was talking about this uh, this past weekend or, or or weekend before we, well, no, it was last weekend because we had a uh, an old show on. Uh, we didn't we weren't live last week. I was at my son's uh, state championship state speech and debate tournament, and we were we got the opportunity to watch you know all the other competitors, and one of my comments was as you watch a performance, if you get attached to one thing it's like okay it's all about this there was one performance that was just fantastic it was called freak the mighty mm -hmm. and he was performing like he was uh, crippled and and was walking with a a crutch in each hand of course you don't have any props in in duo interpretation but you swore that he did it was just that good and I got fixated on that. And at first, my, my fixation was, is that a walker or is that two crutches? And so it was all about that then. And it was just a fantastic piece. But sometimes that happens, good and bad. You can get caught on. on I agree. Uh, there was another piece uh, that, was, uh, that actually was in the finals. And it was called, I can never remember what it was, two names. But one of they were brothers, and one of the brothers was mentally handicapped. And when he did his interpretation of that, it came out almost in a Russian type of accent. And then the other brother spoke, and he wasn't Russian at all. And I got stuck on why doesn't he have a Russian <laughs> that that type oh. of thing. Uh -huh. But I got I got stuck on one thing in this chapter. Oh well, I can't wait to one hear one thing, and I can't think of any way that I can do this show without just fixating on that one thing. I'm so sorry. Well, maybe we'll fixate this week on I it. I am so <laughs> sorry. And it has to do with love cannot exist without the truth. That's what, that's what he says. Right. He says that right at the very beginning. 
it has to love they coincide they go together they can't exist without and without and each other without each other they can't they can't they can't they can't and here's where we, look at this what are we 10 minutes in and we have gone sideways, and I am about to go off the rail. Okay, go off the rail. Get it over with. Blow it out. You'll feel better. I've used most of my shows, at least one of my shows so far, to, to vent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever been on a venting spree with you. Really? I don't think yeah, so. You're not going to like it. Okay. I used Derek and George live yesterday to vent. Not about this, though. About something else that's political, correct? Oh, no. No? No, no, no. I got all up in the grill. I'll probably be kicked out. I'm not sure. Uh, I went nuts so yesterday on the Presbyterian Church USA. Oh, well, I'm not surprised at that. <laughs> well, and as you know, uh, this past week, it finally became, it hasn't become official yet, but we found out that the last Presbytery that was needed to vote to give the majority to the change in the definition of marriage passed. Mm-hmm. It's going to change, and I went bonkers yesterday. I just want to know what's going to change next, next and where they're going to stop and realize the truth of God's word is well, what, what it's to be. Yeah, and what George and, then George and I began to talk about that whole idea of why can't you just love people? Why can't you just love them for who they are? And I do. It, it has nothing to do with that. We're not talking about do I love people. We're talking about do I do I love the change in the definition of marriage of which God created the definition. And so this really spoke to me today when he said love is attached to truth. And so uh, my whole point is we have abandoned this idea of truth and we have replaced it with what we believe truth is. Mm hmm. Instead of the truth of our God. perspective or what we want it to be. Right. That That's exactly right. And he says that in here. He says he talks about love being a many splendid thing and and, you know, all those types of things. But one of the things that he really concentrates on is there has to be truth in love. Um, he he talks about this. Of course, I, he, he couldn't get away from this this chapter without talking about 1 Corinthians 13. Right. It's, it's called the love chapter, all those things. And, and uh, he, he says, let's begin with this thought from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. All truth and no love is brutality. Mm-hmm. Speaking only the raw truth and not loving others is a brutal thing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The concept of love in the world is terribly distorted. Those distortions affect the way we hear God's word. And I believe that for the good and for the bad. And he he goes on to talk about what love is in that chapter. Go ahead. I was going to say, I actually took that part to God, hearing us pray untruthfully to him and hearing the clanging in his ears and he couldn't hear Mm -hmm. us. That's where I took it to instead of us talking to other people. Yeah. When we're not telling the truth and we're telling him what he wants, we want him to think we're thinking, then he hears the gongs. And and even... and and it's it's true even in the opposite when he says that all truth and no love is brutality all love and no truth mm-hmm. is insanity to me exactly and once again that's what they talked about in cloud and townsend mm-hmm. uh with boundaries the book boundaries that's why i liked it is because you either fall on the side of truth and legalism or you fall to the grace give them a license to do whatever they want and grace will cover it and there's got to be a meeting point in the middle for that for it to really work yeah and i just i think what has happened through this whole LGBT thing that's what's going on in the Presbyterian Church USA we have we have swung to the point of all love no truth mm-hmm. all love no truth and they will tell you because I had one pastor tell me that love conquers all and that is how they see it sure but we know that that is if you take the truth of God out of love then it isn't love mm-hmm 
It's just whatever we decided it was going to be. And then God really isn't even in the picture. That's exactly right. Then God isn't even in the picture. And that's what and it's a very easy thing to do because it's a very confusing thing because we attach the word love to God. That God loves unconditionally and and that's true. He does. Absolutely. Loves unconditionally. And this again this has nothing to do with the love of an individual in any community what it has to do with is our book of order and whether or not we are consistently following the truth that is attached to that love the truth that gave birth to that love mm-hmm. exactly the, and God. and that's the that's the the thing that we're on a very slippery slope but i'm wondering what you know we can't judge anybody's motives and we can't judge whatever but i'm wondering how many people are going to go astray from this that the people who have made this decision are going to be held accountable for i don't have it up on my screen but i did this yesterday on the Derek and george show just just as an own personal thing and for my to to I think probably demonstrate the craziness of of where the Presbyterian Church USA has gone with its involvement and its movement towards let's do what's good for society, not what's good for the church. It's social justice. And again, I'm not against any of those things. But now it has it has supplanted all of the other truths that we know. Mm-hmm. There was a pastor in in the Presbyterian Church. His last name was Chuck. Oh, I read that. Did you read that? I did. And what he believed, and unbelievable, unbelievable. You should check it out. Um, it's just just. I almost put it on our page, and I thought I don't know if if I really want to do that. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. I have it right here. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. Here's what he said. Okay. I'm going to go back a little bit, but this this is this is what he said, and, and he, he he's doing this as a guest lecture on Pathios.com. But he, and and he was, an yeah. he was on the atheist. He was on the atheist blogger Pathios, when he put this. Okay. com oh. is the friendly atheist. I don't remember that. I just remember yeah. the atheist part. <laughs> Presbyterian pastor ordained says this. I believe that religion is a human construct. The symbols of faith are products of human cultural evolution. Jesus may have been an an historical figure, but most of what we know about him is in the form of legend. God is a symbol of myth-making and not credible as a supernatural being or force. The Bible is a human product as opposed to special revelation from a divine being. Human consciousness is the result of natural selection, so there's no afterlife. In short, I regard the symbols of Christianity from a non-supernatural point of view. And yet, even though I hold those beliefs, I'm still a proud minister. All right. There you have it. I had chills from that. I just absolutely, yeah. And those, that's, and ordained. So where are we headed? I mean, where does this, where does them kind of comments take us in life? Out of the Presbyterian Church USA. That's where I'm headed. Where, where, okay, who is, who? What church affiliation is not like this anymore, though? I mean, they're all changing. Eco's not. Eco's the not. Branch of, uh, the other branch of the Presbyterian And church. who's another one? Baptists. Baptists. <laughs> is Methodist still not in that ring? Oh, Methodists are in their ring now. Yeah. They are in the There's, ring yeah, now. Yeah, they're in their ring. The Episcopalians are in the ring. I knew the Episcopalians. Yeah. So yeah. the Baptists and well, Eco is about the only one that's not. Any of the hard evangelical ones aren't. And the problem that, and here's where it attaches to this chapter, what they will say about those people who say, you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm not good with this change in definition of marriage. Well, you just don't love. You just don't love. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of it. I'm just, uh, I'm just so sick of it. So I, and, and and I think that's that's why I think I got fixated on that whole point of uh, that idea that uh, truth without love is brutality, love without truth for me is insanity. Is that idea there has to be both of those in there, mm-hmm. or then you're not giving the example of true godly love. Mm-hmm. True godly love has to include the truth of God, and where we get in, and, and where the two 
sides get into it, is that they read the exact same scripture and come up with two different ideas of what it is. So, is, so And so how can that be, just from our background? <laughs> I mean, I just really get confused on that, because if you sit and you read the Bible, and you go word for word, how can they come up? Is it the background, the society you raised in, the different area, yes, it's the different all, culture? It's the, all those things. Because the because scripture is a, a, a living truth to us. It, it the, the amazing thing the the supernatural there, Pastor Shuck, of it is is the whole idea that as we individually read scripture, God speaks to us individually through it. That's the one of the amazing things about scripture is that I can read it, and it can it can. Uh, um, influence me and speak to me in a different way than it does sure. you because of what it, maybe what I'm going through because of where I'm where at, we're at. Uh, where we're at but I don't think those uh, those ta- that applies to the overriding theological um found the, the the theological foundation that God presents to us through the whole of scripture Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it doesn't take away with that. It just leads you out of your problems and right. guides you. And it's just amazing to me. Uh, and and I don't think that here's the problem that I think there there isn't a middle ground for us because yeah. because the razor's edge is something that that neither one will budge on. I will not budge on what I believe to be the truth of God, nor will the other side. Mm-hmm. So there is this idea of now, how are we pushing? I said this yesterday on the Derek and George live show. This is a perfect example of of where it has gotten to. The Pueblo Presbytery, the Presbytery of Pueblo, a conservative Presbytery in the PCUSA, if there is anything like that left, voted to approve this. But see, there. But I think you have that wrong because... When Eco took part of the group, they took all the conservatives. I know, and then I know. there is no conservatives left well, in and it. I don't know, and that's that's absolutely the truth. And so that, there's that's nobody to I, balance it out anymore. Well, I don't think that's true because a representative went from First Presbyterian Law right, and they did vote. Who was no. very conservative, right? And so he, there are conservatives, but we all knew that when Eco left, mm-hmm. that that was it. The conservative momentum of the Presbyterian Church, USA, was gone. Right. Was gone. And so this wasn't surprising to me. I wasn't surprised. We all knew this was going to happen. It was coming. That's why Eco left. It's just a sad day when now it's official and that Book of Order changes. I agree. Because the Book of Order uh, is, is our document that says in this earthly part of us, that says this is what we believe Scripture to represent. So it goes to what umbrella do you want to fall under? Mm -hmm. What structure? Who do you trust with your spiritual guidance? And I I brought that up and somebody said, well, we don't believe that in our church, but we're not governed solely on our own. We're governed by the the umbrella, the big one, and that's that's what I'm not liking. That's the whole point of the Presbyterian Church, Mm -hmm. is that we are connected. Right. We are not an individual congregation. We are connected with each other. That that's the one the guiding one of the guiding principles of the Presbyterian. Well, Church I know I talked with Pat, changes. Yeah. and I said I was really upset, and yeah. and it makes me very very uncomfortable. Yeah. Even though our church did not vote for that, right. I, it makes me very uncomfortable. Not because I don't like gays, not because I don't love them, exactly. but because they're changing what God put forth in His Word. But it doesn't matter when you say that, and so those. Those things are become a roadblock for this change to an attitude of love. I mean, we we fall. Uh, we believe that as Christians, uh, or at least this gets floated around a lot. The idea of we're called to love everyone as Christ loved us. Correct. And and yet, it, it there is this belief out there that we can't hold one belief of I don't think that's the definition of marriage and still love that individual that 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 doesn't exist within society today if you are against the de- true definition of marriage uh, or a, a different definition of marriage then then you can't love and I think that's where we miss it because mm-hmm. just like James McDonald said in this book that we're studying, change my Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. 
love without truth is insanity. Truth without love is brutality. Right. And there has to be that. There has to be a mixture for it to be true love. Well, in in the back of the book, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead, he talks about the majors and the minors of what you would confront. Right. And the majors is one God, one baptism. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4. Mm -hmm. Okay, so does this fit in the major or not? This is a major for me. I'm just, it's a major. Well, that's kind of where I was falling with it, too. It's a major because how do I trust, how do I, I I can always remember telling you, I only want the truth. Right. I want to know strictly out of the Bible the Mm -hmm. truth. And if they don't stick by that truth, how can I follow their leadership and be secure and safe within that relationship? Right. And then some people will say it's just all about the love. They'll just say it's all about the love. Um, Real quickly. Before we go uh, to break, and Jimbo, I might run just a tad over on this. We'll we'll do this, and then we'll when we'll take a break. I wanted to share with you, and I may skip uh, just a little bit of it. I'm not sure, uh, but I read an article this morning. A uh, pastor friend of mine in the Presbyterian Church uh, in Indianapolis, a good friend of mine that I grew up with, Brian Shivers is a, is a pastor there. He shared this on on. Uh, on Facebook, and I picked it up, and it's entitled Christianity Cannot Survive the Decline in Worship. It's written by an individual named Zazimir Bim, and uh, it's it, it's about worship, and it's about the whole idea of getting thrown off on so many other things. It says around the year 1510, a delegation of Christians from Sudan, which had been recently overrun by Muslim conquest, went to the Christian Ethiopian court and begged their emperor to send them bishops and priests, the Christians remaining in Sudan, needed clergy to lead the worship, administer the sacraments, and teach the people. But the emperor refused, sending them away empty-handed. With no Christian worship, within 100 years, Christianity in Sudan became extinct and forgotten until the 20th century. That historical moment is a useful example for Christians today. <clears throat> and of course, these are his words that he's writing, Zezimir Bem. The mainline Protestant churches have been declining for decades. This trend has now reached the evangelical churches, too. In a desperate attempt to stay alive, churches and their leaders are coming up with new solutions, new strategies, and guises. Uh, New church plants are tailored for terribly busy people, giving them a brief moment of worship with the stress on brief, on the run. In one way or another, the refrain I constantly hear is, the church of the future is the church of service. It takes all shapes and forms, but it always boils down to the same thing. Don't focus on worship. Do stuff instead. So a denominational leader blogs that the vocation of churches is to be local community uh, center, uh, to be a local community center, food banks, daycares, places for diaper drives. New church plants are tailored for terribly busy people. Um, and 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 he's right. He's talking about giving people regular meals together or held where the leaders say holy things for holy people before the participants share their thoughts. And this is praised as a new worship. My own denomination experiment is experimenting with an online community called Extravagance, where people participate in worship online, and then they post their thoughts on Facebook. The post was a part of their worship, we are told. Uh, As I read the emails, uh, stories, and articles, I cannot help but think to myself that we should stop ordaining people uh, to the ministry of word and sacrament and instead create an office of community organizer with brief prayers. But but is all this really what we, the church, are called to do? Service is important. I'm not saying it isn't. But experience and history tells me church must be more than that. Before I became a minister in a small Massachusetts town, I was a lawyer and I worked in academia. This experience allowed me to meet people who worked in the areas of social justice, peace, and human rights. All of them went into their fields with enthusiasm, passion, and conviction. But I quickly learned that working on justice issues does not guarantee happiness, peace, or fulfillment, nor will you necessarily be working uh, with nice and pleasant people. He goes on to talk about uh, how Calvin talks about um, that that church is about is is about worship. It's about the idea of worshiping. It's a, it's about the idea of getting together. And he goes on in this article to talk about we are so concentrating now on social justice and social things and being right with society so that they will be sucked into our worship 
that we have forgotten the true phase of Christianity. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. We're going to post this on, I'm going to post this article on Facebook. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about this attitude of love. Uh, I'm going to take my blood pressure medicine and, (laughs) and we'll see what goes on. So you're listening to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. Hello to all of Derek's listeners. Thanks, Derek, for giving me time to share my heart's passion, encouraging cancer, long-term illness patients, and their families. Gilead is an outreach that encourages over 2,400 people in 38 states. Our goal is to bring hope and help to those on the journey through the unknowns of treatment, family stress, and spiritual questions. One such story is Eric, whose senior year in high school was interrupted by the cancer that he was diagnosed with, interrupting a three-sport high school year. It changed his life and his perspective. Today, Eric's family oversees a foundation helping to find a cure. We're currently in our 15th year. would love to have you as a partner, either as a volunteer or a gift financially. Look for us on Facebook at Gilead Ministries. Jesus has taken the beautiful bus out of our garden of love. He's born it away to the city of God, home with the angels. Gathering buzz, gathering buzz, wonderful care will be given. Jesus is gathering day after day, buzz for the palace of heaven. Full blooming flowers along will not do, some must be young and ungrown. So the trail body is gathering to beautiful gem for God's throne. Gathering buzz, gathering buzz, wonderful care will be given. Jesus is gathering day after day, but for the palace of heaven. Fathers and mothers, be not or be sad, trusting the dear Savior's love. Soon you will see them again and be glad, blooming in heaven above. Gathering buds, gathering buds, wonderful care will be given. Jesus is gathering day after but for the palace of heaven But for the palace of heaven Graduation day is almost here You've worked so hard and now it's all paying off Everyone will be telling you how proud they are Give them one more thing to be proud of Celebrate graduation safe and sober Don't let drugs and alcohol threaten what you've worked so hard to achieve This message is brought to you by Southeast Health Group, your local resource for drug and alcohol treatment. Call 1-800-511-5446 for more information about a safe and sober graduation. The mist from the morning dew, the sun peeks out over the horizon. A new day has dawned and a new chance presents itself, a chance to once again do battle. The lush green grass of the Midwest farmland lies in wait guarded by the beaches filled with the sands of time after time after time. You unsheath your weapon of choice and lash out at the enemy before you, and for hours you navigate the landmines, cursing and praising in the same breath. But in the end, whether in victory or defeat, you vow to wake in the morning and do it all over again. Just four miles north of Marion, Indiana, lies a battlefield, a battlefield not just of bunkers and waters, but a battlefield of the mind. A battlefield where people come to discover the best in themselves. Where courage is tested as each round of the enemy is faced. Arbor Trace Golf Course. Come play around. Because in golf, the more you play, the luckier you get. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like. On the road less traveled. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio and the road less traveled. 
Internet Ministries. We are studying this book entitled, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. Sometimes I wonder, Dawn, if it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe with the critical, it might be. I'm in the wilderness, I think, already. (laughs) Before we went to break, I was reading uh, an article, and during the break, I did post that on Becoming Christlike's Facebook. It's an article by Zezimir Bem, I believe is his name, and uh, he was talking about the importance of worship, and I had mentioned in reference to John Calvin, quote, and I found it within it. It says, John Calvin wrote, to, to know God is to be changed by God. True knowledge of God leads to worship. He goes on to say, the future of the church is worship. Yes. And, and no one's saying that, really. They, everyone's saying the future of the church and what it seems like to me or it feels like to me. And I know everybody who is against me, who disagrees with me, will say, I'm either closed-minded. I had somebody on Facebook say today, call me that today, closed-minded, uh, small-minded. Um, and that's fine. Uh, it, it, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, Derek and George Live has prepared me for all kinds of uh, horrible things that people say. If you say, if if you stand up and say, it's not about uh, placating to society. It's not making our belief of what Scripture says fit into what society is doing. It's not. If you say that, then then you're opening yourself up for attacks, and that's it's fine. about us to be in obedient to what God says. Right. Right. And so this whole idea of an attitude of love, which we are to change this critical, and it seems I've gone backwards because today all I've seemed to do is be critical. So, you know, James McDonald's, keep your shorts on. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just there is at some point when you have to stand up and say... Wrong is wrong. This Yeah, there has to be that truth in love. And I, I can't... I can't agree with or I can't change what I believe that truth to be, nor do I ever expect those who disagree with me to change what they believe of the truth. That's why I believe with this one, there is no middle ground. And again, it has nothing to do with that person. But you can say that and shout it from the mountaintops. And they don't hear and it. And they won't hear it. Mm-hmm. They won't hear it. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know where the compromise is. I, so that's what I was going to get to. What is it we do as a Christian through this dilemma? I don't know. I keep keep your mind set on on what scripture says. Keep your mind set that and and here's the worst thing that can happen. Here's the worst thing. We have to be on guard for this. Even if no one else believes us, it's, it, even if no one else believes, we must not let our disagreement with, let's just take this definition of marriage change. This change in the definition of marriage cannot make its way into our love for people. I agree. You see what I'm saying? Yes. We we can't do it. And even if everybody says you already did, you're a hypocrite. You blah blah blah. You have to be sure in what what you believe. We still love the people, but we stand firm in our belief in God. And, and even his... if people say that can't happen, you're a liar. That's it doesn't show. I know what I believe. I know who I know who I love. But that's not true, or we would be calling Christ a liar. I know. Life, Christ hated the sin, right? The sin, but not the people. But there's a disconnect when that happens now in in society. There, there's no connection of that anymore. We could say that until we're blue in the face, and that's not gonna that's not gonna be true. People aren't gonna believe that. It's just uh, it, it, so, you have to make sure that that love, when you're taking that critical attitude, changing it to an attitude of love, you have to make sure that what you believe about uh, the position of the PCUSA and the changing of the Book of Order does not just seep into, okay, now I've taken that. Now I'm hating everybody who who voted for that. It can't happen that way. That's I don't think, the hard part. Well, the critical is based on 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 people. Right. And we don't want to take it to the people. We want to keep it to what the actual happening, the incident. And right. that's what we don't like. Right. And the attitude of love then needs to be put on the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth 
needs to be maintained within the action right. of the people. And so um or and, the, or the action of of what you're talking about. For, we, for us in this particular circumstance we're talking about the Presbyterian Church USA changing the definition of marriage to read marriage is defined as a union of of two individuals, comma, traditionally a man and a wife. I think the other thing we got to remember is that God is still work to, working now, today, right Absolutely. now, and that um, he's he's got it. Yeah. And he, he will take it. We may not see it in our lifetime or whatever, but God's got this and he's still working now. And I probably get probably have people who disagree with me on this, but a good example of all love and no truth for me is is working our way into society, trying to get our foothold in society by changing our definition of marriage. All truth and no love is the Westboro Baptist Church. True. To me those are those the are polar the opposites. Yeah, those are the polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And I don't like either one of them. I, I don't like either one of them. So uh, it, it's tough when, and that's why this whole idea of, uh, on the surface, this chapter seems very simple. Okay, take your critical attitude and replace it with an attitude of love. But it can't just be, once I didn't like you and now I do. That, that isn't it. That isn't it at all. Because truth has to go in there. And so we look at people and I say, I love you, even though you're a sinner, just like I would hope that you would look at me and say the same thing. Because in those regards, I am no different uh, than you. Hold on to that one, Jimbo. Okay, that on the on the board. Yeah, because we'll get we'll get even more sideways and we don't want to we don't want to take this down the down the tube. Um, so uh, there is that idea that we we have to look at this attitude of love as as a calling and a representation of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, everybody will use that example on both sides, uh, and and so we're struggling to define what that is. A word that seems so easy replace cr- criticism. With love, okay, that's I got it in my head, but what does that mean in my heart? Yeah, because stopping uh, stopping the act of criticizing somebody, well, doesn't mean that you love them, and so you have to look at what did Jesus do? Jesus loved the individuals who were about to stone the prostitute mm-hmm. or the adulteress mm-hmm. or. Or he, he, anybody that he came into contact with, he loved those in the temple before he before he turned it over. He loved he loved those people. That's right. He loves them. But he still brought truth into the but picture. But he brought truth into the picture. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And and I think that's what we we are trying to do on one side of this issue. But there's a huge disconnect. Because of the definition of this one word, love. Love, I believe, in society's view, and I'm not ta- I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying love in society's view is if you love me, you will accept everything about me. You will everything I do, everything I say, everything I believe. If you really loved me, then it would be okay with you. Mm-hmm. And that's love with no truth. Right. And that, that just can't be. That just can't be. Heresy. So it's the idea of not just replace it with an attitude of love, but replace it with an attitude of love that mirrors the love that Christ had for us. And I think that's why James McDonald talks about the truth and the love. Mm-hmm. Total disconnect. And that's why I don't think that, that we can even make this discussion work uh, with with the ordinary PCUSA is trying to do that, and it's just not working. And, and individuals who, who and groups such as Eco have said this can't work. 
this just came. Well, in actuality, on Facebook, I read one pastor put, and, and I actually think this came from Presbytery, I didn't read all of it, that they hope we'll work through this with love of one another, mm-hmm. and that we'll come around basically to that side and, and be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it's just uh, unbelievable. I, I, I'll bring up a couple other things that he says. <laughs> okay. And I don't even know what I want to bring up because that's just, you know, what I what I do want to get back to. And, and because we only do this for an hour, uh, we have to move quickly uh, at the end of back or the back of all of his his chapters. He always he always set, talks about the solution. And I think it's really good. And he, he always kind of asks the, the same questions. And they're good questions that challenge us, especially during this time of Lent. When we are supposed to do this self-inspection, when we are supposed to really look and say, okay, Derek, do the things that you hold dear, are the beliefs that, that are in your head and in your heart, are they in line with what God wants? I mean, that's a good thing to always ask. Or are you just flying off the handle? Your meds have got the best <laughs> of you. Whatever. you know. By the way, he was up 40, everybody, just because of that. <laughs> Is it is it one of those things that is, that you say to yourself, okay, do I need to step back for a second? And am I wrong? I think it's called a reality check. Sure. At some point, you've got to do that. And so he always talks. He always asks us these questions in in this let's talk solution. Uh, he says to find the solution to a critical attitude, that biblical loving attitude. Let's once more answer three questions. The first one is primary. Am I a loving person? That's the question that has to get answered. Am I a loving person? Years ago, evangelist D.L. Moody sensed that the Lord wanted him to grow in this matter of love, and he wrote this more more than 100 years ago, and I want to share it. Now, this is D.L. Moody. He says, I took up that word love, and I I do not know how many weeks I spent in studying the passage in which it occurs, Till at last I could not help loving people. I had been feeding on love so long that I was anxious to do everybody good and I ca- that I came in contact with. I got full of it. It ran out of my fingers. You take up the subject of love in the Bible. You will get so full of it that all you have to do is open your lips and a flood of, of the love of God will flow out. And I think what's important of what D.L. Moody said right there is the love of God. Not the love of of people, not the love of society, not the love that that is defined by society, on one side or the other. Just as is, just as it is that I can go out in society and get what I believe to be a horrible definition of love, I can go in the body of Christ and get a a likewise horrible definition. Right. Of God, don't don't think that I'm I'm picking on one side or the other. I'm picking on humanity in it, in itself. I'm being critical and of this. Broken. I can't move on to the next chapter. I'm stuck <laughs> in the critical attitude. So we have to ask ourselves that: Am I a loving person? He had, adds two additional questions: Am I seeing the benefits of love in my life? Do the relationships in my life evidence that love is pouring forth from me upon the people around me? And I'll tell you why this is. I'll tell you why it's hard on these these questions. Because I get angry. Because of anger. Because of the idea of what is being changed, how it is moving um f- from from one arena to another in which I believe that the arena that we that we were in was so there's anger in the way. There's there's disappointment in the way. There's all those things that says I am disappointed in my denomination. I am not surprised that it happened, but I am disappointed in the direction that it is going. And those things become a stumbling block for my ability then uh, to love as I should, the way, the way that God does. So those are, those are tough things for me. And it takes a long time to process this and grow through it. Yeah, it does. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. Right. And 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 then finally he asks, am I choosing love over criticism moment by moment? And that really goes back to his connection of the last chapter, which I took it off the rails to uh, fulfill my own personal needs. <laughs> uh, but that's really what he's talking about, is replacing that idea of being critical 
to an idea of love, to an idea of forgiveness, to a a, a movement towards this idea of uh, I am much more willing now to listen to others, uh, to realize the sin in others as well as the sin in myself, so that my first response isn't a critical attitude, but an attitude of love and 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 uh, and and forgiveness. That's really what he's trying to do in the book, and I think it's a I think it's a great a great thing, um, but not easy I because it's not easy. criticism is easy. Love is difficult. I agree. Because love calls us then to open our minds and accept other people uh, for who they are and what they are and beliefs that they hold. And and most people will say, Derek, that's all that the well, other side is asking you to do. And, and I would once again refrain then. That's not the discussion. That's not the problem well, that I have. Because in here he focuses on, on agape love. That's and right. And his is you before me. Right. That and at idea, this point, though, yeah. it's got to line up with God's way. Right. Exactly. There has to be that truth mm-hmm. in that love. He says, remember whether the issue is major or minor, whatever action or attitude we choose, it is all to be done in love. On the majors, take action. On the minors, show acceptance. In all things, display love. Yes. <sighs> I d- yeah. Are you going to read the prayer? Because yes. there was something else I'd like you to read. Yeah. If you want to on 133, you read it and I do. I love the part where that Jerry Cook had uh, grew a church from little to big, mm-hmm. and they made promises to each other in the church, and I thought it was absolutely profound that it would work in marriages and families and everything. It's at the very bottom. Which part here where it starts out, you will? Yep. Uh, it says, uh, okay, so this was this was... In in his book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, Jerry Cook describes a church out in Washington State that grew in 14 years to more than 4,000 people. And this is what he wrote. You will never knowingly suffer at my hands. I will never say anything or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I will always, in every circumstance, seek to help and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. If you need something and I have it, I'll share it with you. If I need to, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you, no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And there is nothing you can do about it. I thought that was really excellent. It is excellent. Again, my my only problem with that is that we take that and we, we, we throw it into arenas that it doesn't belong. Well, there, there's still accountability there, there's and there's still, still account- the truth of God's truth word of that God's has word. to fit into that. I like those for wedding vows. Oh, yeah. That, see, Those are good ones. Well, you vows. know what? I actually printed that out and had my kids read it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that. It really is that idea. It's, yeah. it's very, very uh, good. We've been talking about this book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late by James McDonald. Uh, and, and this week we were changing our attitude of criticism to an attitude of love. And I'm not sure that I've displayed <laughs> that very well today. Uh, but it might be a good example of how normal people deal with it and struggle with it. Uh, For sure. to, to do that. He always ends his chapters with uh, this look up, and it's a prayer. And I want to read it to uh, our listeners as we as we go on to the next chapter and work our way through Lent, coming, through, coming uh, eventually to this time of Easter. He said, Lord, thank you for this meaty passage of your word. It, it was meaty. It was right. meaty. <laughs> a little beefy. It's all there. It is as relevant today as as the day it was written, and it speaks to my experience. It calls me to less criticism and more love, sometimes speaking truth, most often accepting and embracing people who, like me, are in the process of transformation. God, forgive my negative, critical, fault-finding ways. Give me a heart to love people and to bear with them, to speak truth when it's needed, whatever the cost, but most often a, a heart to accept others. Bring to my mind a specific person or two within whom I could apply these truths. Help me to confront half-hearted attitudes. Remind me that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came into the world. He is love. He died on a cross and rose from the dead for me. His love is stranger is stronger than death. Excuse me. I want to let Christ love others through me. He can give me a, well, there's that word, supernatural Endless capacity to love the very people that exhaust me. 
Lord, thank you for your love that has been shed abroad in my heart. Thank you for the capacity to love others, given by you and sustained by you. I rejoice and delight in that. You are a good and faithful God. I celebrate your love. Thank you that you love us perfectly, unconditionally. I accept your love right now, right here. I am not worthy of it, but I worship you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And so <clears throat> that is the chapter on love. I encourage you to check out our Facebook. I encourage you to check out our Twitter uh, whenever you possibly can. Don puts great things up there. Uh, again, uh, you can go to our Facebook at Becoming Christlike. Uh, you can check out our Twitter at Christlike Today. You can always find us on BeMoreChristlike.com from our mobile site at m.bemorechristlike.com. You can put in prayer requests. You can listen to older shows. Uh, all of those things. I encourage you to to really get the meat of the book to go back and listen to our older shows, our previous shows of Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. Uh, next week we go on to a bad attitude that we're supposed to replace, and it is a doubting attitude. Yeah, I started that. <laughs> <laughs> We're just struggling as we come to the finish line here. It just gets worse. And it gets and worse. worse. The last chapter, I can't even You're breathe. Like, Holy moly! So uh, we want to encourage all of you to join us each Friday, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, as we continue this study until we have replaced all the bad with the good. Continue uh-huh. to love. So for everybody here at the Road Less Traveled, for everybody here at Becoming Christ, like myself, Don Jimbo, who does a great job in the producers' booth. Uh, We want to thank you for listening and encourage you each and every day to become more and more Christ-like. God bless. God bless. Like